Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Yes! Hello, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Littering and, littering and, littering and. Thank you for joining us. It is a Tuesday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Tuesday, Tuesday. Bit of a random show tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, tonight's recommended drink. Let's make it a fluffy duck cocktail. And tonight's recommended snack, uh, snack, anti-pasto. How about that? and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on this edition, the Tuesday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. I hope, I don't know why I clapped then. It's an absolute pleasure. <laughs> I guess I'm pumped. I guess I'm feeling good. Feeling good, man. I hope you're feeling good too. And if you're not feeling good now, then I hope you're feeling good at the end. But then conversely, if you are feeling good now, I hope you feel really shitty at the end of it. It's, it's, it's kind of like a... I, I don't really know what I go for on each episode. Like, I don't really have... I don't want to leave you in a certain state of mind. Sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. It's it's funny. Depending on which five-minute section people watch... Like, because I get feedback from people and a lot of times I get feedback from, like, strangers who I, I don't recognise their name. I haven't seen them in the chat before very often. You know, yesterday somebody watched like the first five minutes or so and then it was something like you're a sick bastard I'm out of here <laughs> I didn't address it at the time I just kind of giggled to myself because we were talking about how blowjobs give you cancer apparently that report yesterday and so I didn't address it but then if they had have been listening to the five minutes when I was talking about Nancy Pelosi which I tweeted out later on on its own and you know why she make why she's making the kind of moves that she is potentially you know that a, a more intellectual discussion if they had watched that five minutes they would say yeah that guy's really good get some good info out of that but it just depends on what five minutes they join so but if you're a degenerate like if you're a degenerate and you like the filthy stuff you like the sex robots and the blowjobs giving you cancer and stuff if you watch the five minutes where I'm talking about Nancy Pelosi you're going to be saying this guy's fucking boring as shit. <laughs> so that makes me happy it makes me really happy to know that just depending on where you come in to the stream you're going to have a completely different impression to somebody else so thank you for joining us it's a very random show tonight so hopefully a lot of those uh, misunderstandings will take place tonight as well um just let me know how the stream quality is for you guys i know the guys on dlive saying it's it's cool the guys on youtube saying it's cool um, if you're on Periscope, just let me know if it's dropping out or, or not because I've been playing with the bit rates. So I've increased the bit rates a little bit to try and get a little bit, squeeze a little bit of extra quality out of the screen. So let me know if it's dropping out because Periscope can be a little bit of a bitch when it comes to bit rates as the flying Hawaiian in the chat, James, will know. And yes, uh, we will be back Sunday night, I, I hope, for, for another edition of Trust and Verify. But, I, I, you know, I've been thinking, I might tweak it a little bit. I might change a little bit. 
Uh, Thor Service Dog saying it's dropping. It's awful. Uh, so there you go. So Periscope is not playing nice, ladies and gentlemen. Periscope does not like the increased bitrate. Uh, that's the problem with Periscope. <laughs> Periscope, get your act together. Um, if you want to watch the stream without interruption, though, see this very sleight of hand little thing that I'm doing. If you want to watch the stream without interruption, I, I didn't do this intentionally. Um, you can come over to DLive if you want. DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper, ladies and gentlemen, or YouTube or lonely old Twitch. If you want to stretch your legs, just go and watch on Twitch because nobody ever watches on Twitch. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to leave a tip for tonight's proceedings, then of course, conveniently, the best way to do so would be DLive.tv slash Boogie Bumper, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you can also head to the link down below, streamlabs.com slash Boogie Bumper. Become a supporter of the show by heading to dlive.tv slash boogie... Uh, dlive.tv, patreon.com slash boogie bumper. Subscribe to the podcast, please, by hitting that subscribe button. Like and share. Get the shit out of here. See, I, James is saying I use 2,500. I pumped it up to 6,000 today. Because I'm, I like I said yesterday, I want to do a couple of game streams and to, to get the quality of uh, the game so it's not blurry and stuff when you move around the screen. You've got to have that bit rate pumped up like a bitch. So I just thought I'd give it a test run, see how we go. But Periscope, obviously not playing nice. So come on over to DLive, people are saying. It's great. It's where it's at. Head on over. Cart your ass on in. We've got plenty to get through tonight. Um, the Oh, sorry. I didn't have the sounds on. Damn it. Sorry about that. Thank you for the diamond, UK Neil. I always forget to put the sounds on for the alerts. Thank you. Thank you, UK Neil, for the diamond. Um, if we don't get to it tonight, incidentally, I did have something that I wanted to bounce off UK Neil, so I'll probably send you the link and you can watch it yourself. Um, Peter, Peter Hitchens sat down and, and gave an interview with somebody from The Sun, I think, called Britain is Dead. And, you know, I, I quite like Peter Hitchens and I quite like his bleak outlook on things. Uh, he classifies himself as an, an obituary writer for his own country. He, he records the death of Britain and has been doing so for the last 20 years. And so some of the things he was talking about with uh, Boris Johnson and Brexit and whatnot, uh, he's a, you know, a traditional Christian conservative who was a former Trotsky, uh, Trotskyite. So he's got a very interesting perspective. Of course, the brother of the late, great Christopher Hitchens. So I might send you the link for that when I'm done here, Neil. You can check it out, see what you think. I thought there was a lot of interesting little tidbits in that little talk. So uh, if we don't get to, get to that today, might get to it tomorrow. Lots to get through. Uh, like I said, a bit of a random show tonight. So thank you for joining us uh, as I take another sip of Smart Juice. Mm. <sighs> Gorgeous. So I was reading a story earlier today, and it was about Donald Trump at the NASCAR. And the person who wrote this story was rather displeased with Donald Trump being at the NASCAR, which I find delightful. Um, as you know, I'm not a Donald Trump cheerleader, and there's things about uh, his presidency that I'm not a fan of. But stuff like this I like because... Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, American 01. Stuff like this I like because I was wondering yesterday... Has he started a new tradition? Like, I think he should go to the Daytona 500 every single year. A bit like, you know, the president throwing out the baseball at the World Series or going to the press gala dinner, that kind of thing. He doesn't do those things. 
So maybe he can do his own things. And the reason why I like the Daytona 500 as a new Trump tradition, assuming that he's going to be in for the next four years, which most of us suspect he will be, um, will that then force the next president, who may happen to be, you know, a Yankee Democrat, to attend the Day- Day- Daytona 500 at the NASCAR? And that Stuff like that puts a smile on my face, imagining the northern Yankee Democrat who all of the NASCAR fans are going to hate, <laughs> stepping out there and standing there for the prayer and just to just to a rapturous amount of booze. <laughs> I want that to happen. I want the next president to feel like they have to attend the NASCAR. But so I was reading this article and the person was rather displeased that Donald Trump was there and he gave a little uh, talk and he put the beast out onto the track and he stood there for the prayer. And it reminded me of something almost 10 years ago. And I thought, we have to play it again. And if you haven't seen it, you're going to love it. And if you have seen it, you're going to be very happy to see it again. This was back in 2011. You know how somebody comes out and gives a prayer to the drivers before they set off on the race? Well, this guy went viral back when things didn't really go viral back in 2011. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Pastor Joe Nelms at the NASCAR giving the pre-race prayer. And like the reactions on the faces of the drivers and the crowd is is absolutely priceless because they don't know whether to laugh or whether they are now part of a sin or not. <laughs> they don't really know what's going on. So have a listen. It just reminded, it just came storming back into my frontal lobe when I was reading this article this morning. So have a look. Oh, hang on, hang on. My my fault, my fault. I've got it muted for some reason. Okay. Let's try that again. Through the through the magic of broadcasting, let's try that again. Let's do it live. Gentlemen, please rise as our colors are presented by the United States Army Nashville Recruiting Battalion. We ask you to remain standing for invocation delivered tonight by Joe Nelms pastor of Family Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. Heavenly Father, thank we you thank coming. you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank <laughs> he gets the sponsorship plug in there. <laughs> That's probably my favorite part that he's rattling off these fucking brands. <laughs> we thank you for the Chargers and the Fords, and let's not forget our partners down at Valvoline Oils. <laughs> we were talking yesterday about uh, the outrage, the outrage, because we love outrage on this program. We milk outrage. We. We bathe in outrage like uh, Queen Nefertiti of ancient Egypt used to bathe in milk from the breast of pregnant slave women, ladies and gentlemen. Keeps us young, keeps us vibrant. So we were talking yesterday about the outrage, you know, and the ridiculousness of it that people were saying things like, oh, my God, J-Lo's dancing at the Super Bowl is going to send my children to hell. But then they were actively sharing clips of the topless protesters at the Bernie protest. Dad, can I watch the NFL? No, son, that's Satanism. Why don't you come in here and look at these topless communists? Look at those titties bounce, huh? What do you think of that, son? That's my boy. No NFL for you, though. (laughs) 
And I, I made the remark that if you're that kind of a conservative, you actually make it more difficult for other conservatives to recruit young conservatives. You make it much far more difficult to convince younger people that conservatism is the way they should go. Just I'm just putting it out there. You don't have to like it. But that's part of the problem, right? Prayer plugs, exactly. exactly. Shit like this, though, this works. <laughs> Sorry, I won't interrupt. We'll go back again. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, Performance and power to the track. Jesus puts his power in off and Sunoco Tires delivers that power directly to the track. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife. <laughs> I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife. See, I bet at the time there was a whole bunch of like, you know, the snooty Christians that kind of look down their nose at other people. Well, it's... Why do you have to swear so much? Why do you have to be so uncouth? You know, this is God does not appreciate this kind of behavior. I bet they were saying the same thing about this. Why can't he thank the Lord for his smoking hot wife? If you've got a smoking hot wife in this day and age who is prepared to marry you and be faithful when you're a preacher, you should be on your fucking knees every goddamn day thanking the Lord for that. <laughs> you know how difficult that is? mathematically now you know if you if, if you manage if you manage to have a smoking hot wife as a preacher when you're later in life i mean the odds that she has been ravaged and ruined and her personality broken by the time she's 21 now is far worse than it used to be back in the 60s and the 70s you know what i mean so you should be thanking lord thank you lord jesus for my smoking hot wife Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. For the Dodges and the Toyotas, thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring tires. performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. <laughs> boogity, 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 amen. Love that guy. <laughs> 2011, ladies and gentlemen. Wasn't everything so much simpler back in 2011? Even though Barack Obama was the president, don't you think that things, don't you think you had more fun? Wasn't everything less intense? Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you were still like hooked in like you are now. But maybe, just little things like that. It wasn't a scandal. You could do something like that and like Democrats even, godless atheists, 
were laughing at that and saying, that's awesome, man. I love that shit. Right? Uh, yeah, a shout out to Ricky Bobby. Boogity, boogity, boo. Amen. We need more of that again. We need more of that lighthearted shit. So there you go. Absolutely sensational. Uh, that will be in the show notes, just like everything else we refer to tonight, ladies and gentlemen. I want to bring you this article that was shared to me, uh, with me by Lady Fritzer. Thank you, Lady Fritzer. I haven't watched the clip yet. Utah man arrested after cannabis fair claiming his civil rights were obstructed. Let's have a look. My rights. It's my rights, ladies and gentlemen. Let's have a, let's have a little gander at this uh, Mormon God-fearing pothead. I got on the road and headed back to Fillmore with all my uh, supplies from the cannabis fair, including a lovely little plant. Shane England says he was at the Utah Cannabis Fair Saturday as the founder of Great Basin Hemp and Farm Co-op. He says he's licensed to transport hemp. While making the drive down to Fillmore from Salt Lake City, England says he was tired and stopped to get some air. When he got back on the road near Millard County, that's where England says a Utah Highway Patrol trooper pulled him over. Turned the lights on and came up to my window and told me I was being pulled over for mud flap violation. England says the a mud flap violation. <laughs> I, I didn't even know there was such a violation. You're pulling me over for what? Um, uh, do, you, do you realize how fast you were going back there, sir? Uh, I think I was going under the limit. Yeah, but did you realize that you were uh, committing a mud flap violation? It's, it sounds made up, doesn't it? A, a mud flap violation? <laughs> What, what kind of violation could I possibly be violating with a mud flap violation? It sounds like BS. The trooper told him someone had called in a driver swerving all over the road. Seeing a plant and smelling his car, England says the trooper then asked him to step out for a sobriety uh -oh. test. Uh -oh. The next half hour I sat in the back of his car where he completely searched my car for everything, grabbed anything that he thought was considered paraphernalia, which had a lot of material from the uh, cannabis show. England says he was arrested on charges of driving under the influence. It was then booked into the Juab County Jail where he went through urine analysis and a blood test. A probable cause statement shows that urine analysis was negative. We don't, <laughs> you know, just focus on one minor flaw in the field sobriety <laughs> test. We need a, a variety of indicators to say that a person's impaired. Our trooper had that. I get the suspicion that the state troopers in Utah would be really would be real hard asses, but very polite about it. Is that a fair statement to make? Is anybody here from Utah? You know, state troopers in other states, I imagine, have different reputations. So in Utah, they probably go they probably go right, you know, follow the rule of law by the book down to the letter but they're polite about it, which probably infuriates people even more. Like if you're going to be an asshole and pull somebody, pull somebody over for a mud flap violation, then you can't be polite about it. You have to be a prick for it to make sense to the person. You know what I mean? Like you come, well, good, good afternoon, sir. It's a beautiful day out here, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, it's just a lovely goddamn day. I woke up this morning and had myself a beautiful piece of toast. With a bit of marmalade on there, a lovely cup of coffee. I always have my coffee cream with cream. I don't like milk too much. Can't drink it black. Oh, no, sir. No, sir, Rebob. Not down here in the great state of Utah. We don't like black things down, <laughs> down here in Utah. So I, I put cream in my coffee, just like the, uh, the Greek Lord intended that we should. And, you know, I was just cruising around, and I couldn't help but noticing uh, that you, sir, uh, 
you're in violation of a mud flap law that we passed here in about 2015. Would you kindly, sir, uh, kind gentleman, please mind stepping out of the vehicle just for a moment on this beautiful sunny morning? Thank you so much. You'd just be like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> Minder from Utah Highway Patrol oh, yeah. saying DUI charges are not just for drinking and driving. Ah. It could include anything from prescription pills to illicit drugs. True. Prescription pills. Members have undergone training since the 2018 Utah Medical Cannabis Act was go. passed. Simply possessing the amount allowed by the act is not enough for troopers to search or arrest someone. And as long as they're taking those proper steps and have the appropriate... Okay, am, am I dumb here or what? If having a certain amount isn't enough for your car to be searched, how do they know what amount you have before they search your car? Like, am I am I missing? I, genuinely, I'm genuinely asking, am I missing something here? How do they know how much you have until they search your car? Well, we administered a search of the vehicle and we found that the guy was in possession of more marijuana than he can legally have. Therefore, the search is legal. So what happens if they don't find anything? What happens if they don't find enough? I guess that's where the mudflap violation comes in, right? Appropriate licensing, there shouldn't be an issue. England says what happened to him was not right. We really need to clear this up for everybody so that our civil rights as a whole aren't being violated. As for England, he says he's glad to finally be home with his family and says his arraignment Wednesday. <laughs> Why sense it in the chat says magic. <laughs> it's just magic. You don't want to know, Mr. Bearded Truth. Say, Mr. Bearded Truth is all over this stuff. Uh, the the staunch uh, libertarian, the constitutionalist, all about individual liberty, all about you know free speech, all about all. He loves all of the amendments. He goes to bed, ladies and gentlemen, each night. I've been reliably informed by his beautiful wife that he doesn't even sleep in a bed with her. He sleeps in his own bed with copies of the Constitution as his pillows, as his blankets, as his bedspread. And he sleeps naked every night, regardless of the temperature, because the glow from the copies of the Constitution around him on the mattress keeps him warm at night. And there's not enough room in the bed for the lovely wife, you see. And he just lays there and he rubs the constitute the copies of the constitution on his nipples and you know gets that tingling. He's the see truth. I know the bearded truth. So he would be all over this stuff. He would know exactly what I'm talking about. He's a fed. <laughs> it's pretty big in the chat. Um another I've got another little driving story here for you. This I found shocking in a way, but not shocking in another way. I think this is a great indicator of where society in the West is, generally speaking. You'll see what I mean as we get into this. That is just joins more than a dozen other states in doing this. One of the main reasons, they say, is, well, there's just not a lot of places in Las Vegas to parallel park. Here, this guy got it. Parallel parking. It can be intimidating, especially for new drivers. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, as somebody who has spent probably, I, I would wager, uh, more time on the road because I do it for a living, more time on the road than probably 99% of people in the chat right now. If you are intimidated by parallel parking, you should not get a license. End of fucking story. End of clip. That's it. It's not just about being able to park. 
See, this is the kind of shit we used to know. I learned how to parallel park in a fucking semi-trailer when I was a kid. <laughs> Reversing a semi-trailer to parallel park. And I'm not saying that as like, oh, fucking look at this, look at this guy who thinks parallel parking's so easy. The reason that you teach people how to parallel park, it's not just to get a parking spot out the front of the Safeway or the Walmart. It's because it teaches you about depth perception and situational awareness and how angles work. And, you know, it teaches you um, about how the, the size of your vehicle, what it can and can't do. All of that shit is vital. That's, that's why you teach people how to parallel park, because it teaches them how to do something that is uncomfortable and it teaches them about, you know, how to see what's around them, how to judge space and time. All of those things are vital skills when you're driving a car. But I think as like a microcosm commentary on where society in the West is right now, 12 states now in the States, apparently, they're just ditching the parallel parking test because, hey, well, there's nowhere to park anyway. <laughs> It's too hard. Why bother? Why do it? Why should we even try? I mean, it's a great inconvenience, don't you think, to have all of these people fail the parallel parking test and then have to come back to the DMV to try again, to try again, to try again to pass. So we may as well just get rid of it. It's like when they started lowering uh, acceptance standards in the test to get into the police force or the military and stuff like they did about five, ten years ago. Do you remember that shit? Oh, it was really hard to get into the elite units of the military, so we just lowered the we lowered the requirements. And now, oh, we've got record numbers of people getting into the military. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it grand? Just aiming, you know, lining everything up right. It's a three-point turn, forward, back, in. You're clogging up. Yeah, that, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Traffic trying to get into your spot. And some say it's not even... You're clogging up traffic trying to get into your spot. No, you're clogging up traffic because you have a license even though you can't do, like, one of the basic license things. Been worth it. At any opportunity that I could parallel park, I could just drive around the corner and get myself in a regular parking space. Now then... Great! You get some exercise. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be able to know how to do it. Nevada DMV agrees. We determine... And I, I can... I guarantee there's people... People in the chat now are thinking, what does this matter? Who cares? But it's, I don't care about a lot of stuff, but it's little things like this that just annoy me because we're, we're piling on the little things that don't matter. Like it's never just one thing. We are, we are making a list of all of these little things which we say don't matter anymore until we get to the point where people, they, they can't drive, they can't park, they can barely stand upright. They don't know shit from shoe polish. And you then apply it to all aspects of life. Oh, we need to change the testing standards in the schools now because it's too, the tests are too hard. We make the tests easier so we can give out more A's and then we can say how smart we are. It's just one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. It's just the constant dumbing down. And you know, those, there are cars now that automatically park themselves. I'm sure you've seen it. Like that was before they even talked about the self-driving car, right? There was cars that you could set and say park and it would reverse park itself. These were out like a, de a decade ago. And I was against that. And everyone was like, oh, how, how awesome is this? How convenient is this? And it's like, yeah, but you're removing skills from people. What happens when it doesn't fucking work? What then? What are you going to do then?
And yes, I'm sorry, if you've only driven an automatic, you're part of the problem too. I don't give a fuck. If you can't drive a stick, then you can't drive, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) And people are going to hate that, but I don't care. I do not care. If you cannot drive a stick, you cannot drive. Pointing pointing the, the front of the car in the direction you're going and pressing the pedal, that, that's not driving. You're an assisted passenger at that point. Determined that the other vehicle maneuvers that drivers have to do during the test cover the requirements, backing out of a parking space, and the other maneuvers that they have to do basically replicate all the skills required in parallel parking. The DMV took the maneuver out of the driving test. There's only a few places that really have it, and that's another reason why we took it off the test. It's not very... Yeah, angel poop in the chat. Um, It's on my end because I upped the bit rate, which is like the the amount of digital info, basically, that I'm sending to Periscope. The other platforms aren't having a problem. So if you want to jump on YouTube or jump on DLive, if you're sick of... If you're on Periscope and you're watching this and it's dropping out... um, Head over to DLive or YouTube or Twitch and you won't have a problem. It's just Periscope. They don't like the extra bit rate. Very common in Las Vegas at all. The DMV says new technology like backup cameras and even self-parking cars didn't play a factor into their decision. Oh, fucking bullshit. <laughs> bullshit. Come on now. You just said that we're doing it because it's too hard to find a parking spot anyway. So what's the difference? Life's too hard. Fuck it. But years of hearing from students, parents, and driving schools did. We have drivers who drive... Driving schools? (laughs) Welcome to Boogie Bumpers Driving School. Here at Boogie Bumpers Driving School, we don't teach people how to parallel park because we think it's pointless. (laughs) I know this is a strange thing to play on a show like this, but I, I saw this the other day and I was like, fuck these people, man. It's just parallel parking. Just do it. Just learn how to do it. You'll be better off for it. Just fine, but fail the parallel parking test and have to come back. So that'll help us a lot where drivers aren't having to do repeat tests. I knew it. I knew it. That's that's what it really is. Drivers not having to do repeat tests. That's the problem. People backing up. More paperwork. They don't want the fucking paperwork. Drivers nervous to take their exam today told us they practiced and prepared but were relieved when they got in the car and heard they didn't have to parallel park. Oh, that's great. Great news for the other motorists. The nervous and scared people who were taking their tests were relieved that they didn't have to do a part of the test. Now I could just hit the road. <laughs> now I'm not nervous or uh, worried at all. Just hand me the license and I will be I will hit the freeway. <laughs> Out of my way. Isn't that great news? Isn't that wonderful? So it's kind of refreshing going towards the end. Refreshing. It's refreshing. Two regular parking spots. I'm parallel parking in the back. I was kind of nervous about it. Like, it threw me off, but I'm happy that it's kind of out of it now. But Kind of out of it. (laughs) She sounds kind of out of it. Some of you sounded off on social media. Wonder why Nevada has horrible drivers. Make it tougher, not easier to obtain a license, Common Terry sense, said. Carlos chimed in. That's a huge skill. And why are we reporting on what Carlos B says on Facebook, though, honestly? What, we take three comments off Facebook or two comments off Twitter? Have you noticed that we do this now? Oh, well, 
BusyB43 on Twitter said she was very disappointed with the recent tax taxation reforms. Oh, Long John 44 said, there's terrible drivers and I know the reason why. <laughs> Give the <a> fuck. <laughs> you need to have to drive. We have enough bad drivers. Others say it's a... Not enough. We don't have enough bad drivers. Skill that's good to have. Yes. Great point in the chat from Robbie Don't Care. I didn't even think of this. Insurance companies are going to clean house with the impending rate increases from this. Absolutely. The, <clears throat> the, um, the panel beaters will be very impressed, very happy. Because at some point, you're going to have to parallel park. Although, there is an upside. If you can parallel park and you're in a city of people who can't parallel park, I guess you're always going to be guaranteed a spot right out the front of the casino, aren't you? Right out the front of the building where the parking spots are really tight. Maybe if everybody else doesn't know how to parallel park, it just makes it better for those of us who can. Have, but There's always a silver lining. How well you can fit between these white lines isn't an indicator of if you're safe on the roads. Oh, Parallel yeah. parking has nothing to do with how you would change lanes or make a turn or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're a dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, knowing how like my mirrors work and my space uh, uh, assessment and, you know, my depth perception and how much room that I've got in my car and where the four corners of my car are. And like in the third quarter where you can't really see where it's on the blind side of your mirror and stuff, uh, knowing that kind of shit has nothing to do with like changing lanes or knowing about depth perception or uh, how big my car is or where, what spaces it can fit into. It's got nothing to do with that. Okay. Okay. I don't know about you. I'm very confident. Can't wait to rent a car in Nevada. Should be great fun. Thank you very much for that, Nevada. Fixing the world, one bad driver at a time. Uh, this was shared the other day. We're jump. We're going to jump around a little bit here today. Uh, this was shared the other day by Tom, our good friend, friend of the show, who's been on the show a few times. Uh, Tom Chatelet. Tom Chatelet, a guy in the know, a mover and shaker. And he tweeted this out the other day uh, with the accompanying quote, how did I know that this was going to happen a week ago? So let's see what Tom knew a week ago. As the world struggles to contain the new virus, a new speculation from the Chinese scientists who believe it may have originated at a research facility not far from the Wuhan fish market. Wuhan. We've been saying it wrong all along. I've been saying Wuhan, you know, really putting the accent on the W, but it's actually more like, um, it's more like the guy, fuck, my mind escapes me. It's more like the guy from Scent of a Woman. What's the actor's name? God. How can I forget this actor's name? Somebody in the chat let me know. Who was the guy in Scent of a Woman? Not Robin. Not Christopher, whatever his name was. Nobody cares about him. Uh, the older guy. Serpico. Who was that guy? How, do, how am I forgetting this guy's name? Man. Another sip of smart drink. Al Pacino. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Why Censored. She actually said Al Pacini, which sounds like a kind of pasta recipe. But yes, Al Pacino. Of course it was Al Pacino. So that's how you're supposed to pronounce it from now on. Uh, Bot says, I'm still saying Wuhan. No, it's Wuhan. Wuhan. <laughs> when I come back to this room, I want to see it wall to wall with Jim Daniels. Uh, don't you mean Jack Daniels, sir? Son, when you've known him as long as I have. So it's Wuhan. Wuhan. 
contain the new virus, a new speculation from the Chinese scientists who believe it may have originated at a research facility not far from the Wuhan fish market. While they say more research needs to be done to find solid proof, such labs are known to contain disease-ridden animals, including hundreds of bats. <laughs> okay. So let's not get into conspiracy theory here. We wouldn't want to delve into the world of conspiracy theory. Uh, she actually, I want to make a correction here. She said that the Chinese scientist involved in the lab has come out and made this statement. I would like to say that's actually wrong. Uh, it's the late Chinese scientist because he's probably dead now <laughs> already. As soon as this story got out, he was done. He was out of there. He was disappeared, I suspect. So the, the scientist who works at the lab in Wuhan, ladies and gentlemen, hundreds of infected animals with the virus, including bats. <laughs> now, let's not get into this crazy world of speculation. Let's not get into this crazy world of conspiracy theories. As we all know, it's just a flu. But hundreds of infected bats with the coronavirus in the lab just metres away from the markets where apparently bat soup was consumed and then people apparently caught the virus. This, of course, is just dangerous conspiracy theory and has no basis, no grounding in reality whatsoever, of course. <laughs> right, Kim Hyo-san with the details. Let's see the details. I want some fucking details over here. Amid the continued spread of the COVID-19 virus, there's rising speculation the virus could have originated from a government laboratory in Wuhan. Rather oh, Wuhan. than the widely held belief that it emerged from the city's Huanan seafood markets. Citing a report published by Chinese scientists, a Chinese-language newspaper published in Hong Kong, Mingpao, and the British daily The Mirror, explained Sunday that the Wuhan Center for Disease Control, or WHCDC, could have spawned the contagion in Hubei province. Oh, that's very sure. According to the report penned by Bo Tao Xiao and Lei Xiao of the South China University of Technology, the research lab, which is only 280 meters away from the Huanan Seafood Market... <laughs> It's about this time that I would like to remind our comrade brothers and sisters in the audience, ladies Thank and gentlemen. I'll, I'll see you in hell. It's about this time I would like to remind our comrade brothers and sisters who believe in heavy government regulation. Heavy regulation of private industry will solve all of our problems, boys and girls. It'll solve every ill that we have. Yes, if you're in Periscope, uh, Glenn in the chat, if you're in Periscope... Um, it's, it's, it's due to the bitrate. Periscope doesn't like the bitrate. So if you want to jump on YouTube or DLive and catch the show, otherwise, always welcome to watch the replay. It should be fine on replay. I would like to remind our comrades that heavy government regulation will solve all the problems. And of course, in a state like the great state of China, ladies and gentlemen, uh, which is known for its heavy, heavy levels of layered bureaucracy and regulation, Something like this could never happen. That's why I'm sure it's conspiracy theory, you see, because they had a disease, they had a lab which was constructing 
which was inventing, which was creating, which was experimenting with literally life-threatening diseases. And they set it up, exactly, Andrew Jackson, across the street from an open-air fish market. (laughs) Where was the regulation for this? (laughs) Thank you for the diamond voice for a reason. Thank you for coming. I'll see you in hell. Across the street from the open air fish market. I bet I bet you too. The, the, the beautiful, the delicious, ironic part about this, they've probably got a whole bunch of regulations for how you're supposed to handle fresh fish, right? Well, the fish can't be out for too long. The fish can't travel for too long. You can't have the frozen fish frozen for too long without saying that it's frozen. If you're going to sell fresh fish, it needs to be fresh for six hours, not a minute more, not a minute less. There's probably a phone book full of regulations for how to deal with fresh fish (laughs) in the land of regulation and bureaucracy that is the People's Democratic Republic of China. And with all of these layers of bureaucracy and all of these rules that must not be broken and all of the layers of government piling one on top of the other on top of the other, somebody decided in their eternal wisdom to build a virology lab across the road. And they said, yes, we know that there's an open-air fish market across the street, but how about this unused space over here, this beautiful building over here, why don't we just make a whole bunch of deadly viruses in it? Well done, sir. Bravo. Excellent, excellent suggestion, sir. You're a genius, sir. (laughs) Of course, of course. I've got to put out. I must, I must say, I must reiterate that this is all just conspiracy theory. Like this is just conspiracy theory. And if you were to suggest something along the lines of, I don't know, uh, mass quarantining of, you know, Chinese people coming out of the affected region, then you would be, of course, uh, a disgusting racist. And that must not be allowed. That's the real tragedy here. That's the real, these are the real victims, ladies and gentlemen. The people who are suffering from undue and unnecessary racism as a result of their government building a lab for dangerous diseases across the road from an open-air fish market. (laughs) I have to laugh. It's fucking hilarious to me. Gits kept disease-ridden animals, including more than 600 bats. Oh, good. Good, great, yes. 600 bats and 600 bats who have been intentionally infected with diseases just happened to turn up at the open air market. <laughs> I don't know how they got there. Where did these bats come from? Shut up. I didn't ask you where you got your money from. Good point. I'll take four bats. It's said that while it's plausible the virus was leaked from the lab and contaminated initial patients in this epidemic, more solid evidence is required through future study. Mm. The report also raised a possibility that the Wuhan Institute of Virology could have leaked the virus while it was carrying out tests involving Chinese horseshoe bats. Against such a backdrop, an article published by the Washington Times late last month is garnering attention as it raised the possibility that the disastrous outbreak could be the accidental result of biological weapons research. This comes as a renowned law professor at Tsinghua University in Beijing, Xu Jiangren, is known to be missing after publicly (laughs) condemning Chinese President Xi Jinping for failing to contain the spread of the virus at an early stage. (laughs) 
I didn't know that was going to, I didn't know they were going to say that. I didn't know that the professor that we were laughing about uh, disappearing earlier has actually disappeared. (laughs) (laughs) Renowned Chinese professor known to be missing after condemnation of President Xi. Not Not suspect at all. Not suspicious in any way, shape, or form, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Who did you steal the diamond from, Gypsy? Bot the chat says, missing is a strange way to pronounce dead. <laughs> As it raised the possibility that the disastrous outbreak could be the accidental result of uh, biological weapons research. And notice how they, notice how we spend, what, 90 seconds of this report talking about, all oh, the infected bats in the open air market. And the possibility that it was a mistake caused by research on biological weapons gets about four seconds of coverage right at the end of the clip. Just before they announced that the professor who criticised President Xi Jinping of not containing the virus in a timely manner, wow, and he just happens to be missing. (laughs) He just happens to not be around anymore. And that's the last we'll ever speak of him again. This comes as a renowned law professor at Tsinghua University in Beijing, Xu Jianren, is known to be missing after publicly condemning Chinese President Xi Jinping for failing to contain the spread of the virus at an early stage. There you go. Well, it's all just conspiracy theory, if you ask me. I think the reality here is that it's the flu. Uh, The numbers are being inflated. Nobody's actually really died at all. And if you ask the average person on the street in China, they will tell you how much they love the government, how much the government is protecting them, how much they value the protection of the government and the the barrel that is being driven into their back while they make this statement to the TV camera does not hurt at all. It won't leave a mark. It won't leave a bruise. Like I said, we're jumping around tonight. I wanted to play this because uh, this guy is fucking hilarious. Ryan Long, ladies and gentlemen. He does like a lot of these man-on-the-street videos in New York and... This is one that came out, what, a few days ago? A couple of days ago? Yesterday, even. Uh, teaching LG, should they be teaching LGBT stuff in sex ed? So he goes around and asks these questions of these lovely New Yorkers and to get their opinion on what the schools should be teaching in regards to LGBTQ awareness. So let's have a look. Let's check in with what Ryan's doing. We're wondering if you think that they should start teaching LGBT in the schools. I don't know what you mean by teaching it. So we want them to teach like grinder etiquette, how to give a beach to a dude, washrooms to cruise at, things like that. <laughs> grinder etiquette. How to give a beach to a dude. I the thing I love most about this guy is the little touches that he puts on things. He's got great attention to detail. I think he may be a comedic genius. Just pay special attention to the way he ends his questions. He ends it with a little upward affliction, infliction, pardon me. So I'm just wondering if they should be teaching, you know, grinder etiquette, how to give a beach to a dude, things like that. <laughs> it changes the whole mood of the questioning. Because if it was like, should they, be, should they be teaching how to give a blowjob in schools? Then it's like, it's adversarial. It's confrontational. But if you just end it with that little upward, should they be teaching you things like that? <laughs> Then it's more open. It's more earnest. You know what I mean? I, I love shit like that. The little touches. I don't know what you mean by teaching it. 
So we want them to teach like grinder etiquette, how to give a beach to a dude, washrooms to cruise at, things like that. <laughs> it doesn't sound appropriate. What age do you think to teach cruising, grinder etiquette, and how to give a beach to a guy, things like that? Things I, like that? I really don't know. Um, I guess as soon as possible. Everybody's freedom matters. Everybody's culture nice. matters. When uh, two men are having sex, the men on the front, it's harder for him to get erect. So, like, there's lots of different techniques that they should be teaching the kids. Yeah, that should be. Teaching the kids. <laughs> yeah, that should be something. Yeah, they should probably be teaching, like, the, the techniques, you know, to the kids. Because, yeah, it can be hard to get, like, an erection when you're at the front of the line. Something that's, that should be done when they get older. Not A little bit older. Just a little bit older. We're thinking maybe grade two, grade three. By the time he grows up, Grinder will have gone away and something else will have replaced it. But cruising will probably still always exist. Exist. <laughs> uh... He gives a little look to the camera guy there. Like, this fucking guy. Like, you just say a little glimpse of him looking at the camera like, fuck this guy. <laughs> he's, he's actually really thinking about it. <laughs> he's really, mm, yeah, I guess you're right. Like, is there a stage where we uh, over-intellectualize things to the point of absurdity? Like, isn't that what this is demonstrating? Like, so it, it's harder for the man at the front uh, when two guys are having sex to get an erection, like, do you think that that's something that they should teach in schools? Like, just diving in deep into the details when there's really no point because the average, the normal person wouldn't bother with those kinds of details. They'll just say, no, 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 none of, none of it. <laughs> none of that. Well, what about cruiser then? No, no, cruising, no, no, no. We're not doing any of it. Oh, okay. But he's like, okay, well, Grinder doesn't exist, so maybe we'll have to learn about cruising then, I guess. Mm, uh, uh, think about it. I don't know if that's appropriate or not. <laughs> Probably. Probably. Do you think that parents should be teaching you gay orgies or should that be the school that's uh, giving you that information? I can't really say, but I learned on the streets. Nice. <laughs> she learned about gay orgies on the streets. So there you go. I'll, um, I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well. And what have we got here? Oh, yes, from that to this. So Amberlina shared this with me earlier today. I haven't watched this yet. Um, I know it's going to be good. Haircuts between the binary. I guess an, a new layer of oppression that we haven't considered yet. While uh, people are concerning themselves with whether trans men can get, or trans women, pardon me, can get uh, their testicles waxed and whatnot, there, there's, another, there's another layer of victimhood that I think society has been overlooking. And without seeing this clip, I'm, I'm glad it's high time that various people in the public are able to share their stories of heartbreak, their stories of oppression, their stories of being treated like second-class citizens when they go to the hairdresser for a haircut. I will preempt this story, though, by saying you could just do what I, I just shave my head at home like a Nazi, like a neo-Nazi. Not a Nazi, because Nazis had nice haircuts, sort of short back and sides, Neo-Nazis like to shave their head with a razor. And it's not, I'm not even going bald. My wife calls it a crime against humanity because I have very thick chestnut brown hair that you can lose your hand in when it's long and wavy. You can get tangled up in there for days if you wanted to. Just letting you know. <laughs> so I shave it all off, clean. Clean down to the skull. And she hates it. <laughs> 
probably why I do it. <laughs> All right, let's have a look. Sometimes I need a haircut. Okay, that's fair. It's really that simple. Yep. But. But. Simplicity seems to jump out the window when out I head the window. in the door into our society, which has a limited capacity for people who don't fit the norm. <laughs> Look, I'm, a, I'm an empathetic guy. You know what I mean? I don't want people to feel bad as a general statement, as a general rule. I want everyone to be happy and feel happy and all of that kind of, um, you know, daffodils and rainbows type shit. That's fine. I don't care. Just be happy. But isn't that a false statement? Where society isn't helping people who don't fit the norm? It seems to me like you could just... I don't know, spend 10 minutes on social media and you'll see actually the exact opposite taking place. Like, are people going to, like, are we walking around with our eyes covered over like this and our ears covered over? No, 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 no. What the fuck are you talking about, man? Society, they're not accepting people who don't fit the norm? Bullshit. They celebrate not fitting the norm. If you don't celebrate not fitting the norm, you're told that you're not the norm and you need to be excommunicated. You need to be deplatformed. You need to be kicked out. If you don't go out of your way to celebrate the non the, the things that don't fit the norm, you're a pariah now. This is an unreality. This is a fantasy world. This this kind of this thing that they're talking about objectively does not exist. Or it's being constructed internally, which nobody can do anything about. I mean, have you not seen? Have you not seen all of the celebrations? The, a story came out yesterday. Uh, the first trans female athlete is going to be allowed to run in the marathon, and I'm telling you, I fucking hope that this this trans woman runs against all of the biological born females in the marathon, I hope she fucking kicks their ass. It's nothing against the women who have trained their whole life to be a marathon runner and they want to win the marathon and they want to race a bit against other women. No, no, we need this. We need this to happen. We need every sport dominated by people who were born male. Every single sport. That's what it's going to take. And I, for one, celebrate the equality of such a thing happening. I feel great pride knowing that somebody who was born a male can now smash their female competitors into the dirt, onto the sports field, and we can celebrate equality whilst, whilst watching it happen. I think it's fantastic for society. <laughs> so I hope the trans female marathon runner runs, and I hope she wins like by fucking 10 minutes, I hope that she finishes the race, gets up on the podium, drinks champagne, gets the fucking medal put around her neck, and there's still there's still one camera on the finish line waiting for the women to arrive. I hope it's that devastating. And then I hope other trans women watch that take place and say, yes, I can do that too. And then in five or ten years, I hope that half of the field is now trans women. And eventually I hope the entire field is trans women. I hope eventually that all the female sports are actually only compete, uh, the only competitors in all the female sports are actually people who were born biologically male for equality, for progress. 
I want that to happen. Because it's probably not going to be until that happens when other people start to go, well, um, maybe we need a new category then for the women, <laughs> the people who were born female. Because, you know, they're not being allowed to win. Because this conflicts directly with everybody gets a trophy mentality, right? This directly contradicts everybody gets a ribbon. Because now we're just going to have men, like I said, smashing the females into the dirt onto the sports field, humiliating them. <laughs> and I couldn't be happier about it. So we'll replace all of the females with the uh, trans women. And then we'll have to create a new category for the biologically born females. Sounds fair to me. And we're normally offered female or male. Yep. Mark the box of a tick. Please make yourself fit. But I'm more of that other. May not. <laughs> Come on, man. It's a haircut. It's a haircut, dude. Okay. Okay. Ticking the box. Just fine. Go into the hairdresser and say, I want this. No, you don't have to fill out a fucking application form when you go to the hairdresser, do you? Like, what am I missing here? I haven't been to the hairdresser in years. Like I said, shave it nice and clean. Smooth like a baby's ass. Smooth to the touch. Like soft silk. So, you know, I don't go to the hairdresser. Do you have to go into the hairdresser? Do they give you a form to fill out? Oh, what year were you born? What's your address? What's your gender? How would you like your haircut? Can you please draw us a fucking diagram? That doesn't happen, does it? You just go in, sit in the chair and say, oh, I want this, this and this. And they go, okay. And if you're lucky, the hairdresser rests her breasts on your shoulder when she reaches around to the side. If, you, if that's what you're into. Or your gay hairdresser will tell you about, uh, you know, his time at the nightclubs on the weekend. And his young Spanish boyfriend or his Algerian boyfriend that he just bought over recently. Right? That's what happens, isn't it? Or am I wrong? Do you have to go out and go in and fill out an application form? Take a number. If that's even an option. It's probably not because there's probably no paperwork. <laughs> like I'm some thing on the outside existing beside the world as it rules by all pink and blue. In this society entirely divisible by two into woman and man. But I relate most to that. Ampersand. And I need a haircut. It can't it can't be that difficult to get a haircut. Honestly. Like again. I don't know. Here's here's another thing for you. Does anybody in the chat always feel like they are part of the mainstream? If you're listening to this program, you probably feel like you're a little different, don't you? Because let's be honest here, this show sucks. <laughs> and we talk about uh, getting raped by sex robots and stuff. It's not the kind of dinner party conversation that your parents would have approved of. Unless, um, maybe they did, I'm not sure. But nobody always feels like they're part of the mainstream all the time. At some point, at different, at various stages in life or all the time, everybody feels a little bit different, right? Like, is that a fair thing to say? And there's nothing wrong with that. Some people crave not to be part of like the mainstream. Some people crave to be different. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you, Rat Hunter. Thank you for the sub. 
So we're talking, again, we're talking about a fucking haircut here, man. Just go in, sit down, get the haircut and get on with your life. <laughs> so option one is the salon. That womanly world of perfumed femininity with which I feel like I have little affinity. Or option two is the barbers, which isn't much better since this voice and these swells in my chest make me feel like an infiltrator. Oh my God. <laughs> make me feel. It's not the barber shop though. The barber would probably cut your hair, man. The barber would probably say, I don't give a fuck. Sit down. Do you want a haircut or not? Are you paying me? <laughs> That's generally how business works. You sit down, you pay the person, they cut the fucking hair, you get out. They're not going to care how you feel. They don't care if you feel like an infiltrator. You're giving them money. That's how the world operates. But barbers or salon, when I get to the chair, before we can even touch on my hair, there's this question which hangs there unuttered and awkward. They're made all the more awkward Why? when they say, I know this is awkward and through the mirror they ask if i'm a boy or a girl what through the mirror they ask no they don't what does that mean is she saying through the mirror they ask as if to say they don't really ask at all is that the point that she's making here he's making here sorry uh, which which is it by the way <laughs> i'm gonna say i'm gonna go with he am i trans am i gay and I'm, I'm, no actually i won't i won't do that because that would be, I'm going to I'm gonna say it. Is that better? Is that preferable? It. They. You. Let's go with you. I don't know what to say. Sometimes I pick my labels to make other people feel okay. But it's never enough to say where I'd like to be trimmed or shaved. They need to know. Always be shaved. <laughs> oh, my sex. How else can they charge the appropriate rate? I'm sure you've seen the signs. Gents trim, five quid. Women's trim, nine. Yep, because there's more work that goes into cutting a woman's hair, apparently. Because I, be, I can be in and out like in five minutes, man. But when a woman goes to a hairdresser, it's an all-day fucking job. They have to sit down. They have to get the wash. They have to get the shampoo. It has to settle. It has to be rinsed. Then it's got to be trimmed. Then you've got to... Apparently now you've got to have a fucking glass of champagne while you talk to the gay hairdresser. I didn't know that was a thing until recently. Like, I'm really out of the loop when it comes to stuff like this. So I'm genuinely asking these questions. That you, did you know that they give champagne at the hairdressers now? Fuck, what's that about? What, what, what am I, here for a cocktail party? Just cut my fucking hair, man. It doesn't matter how I define anyway when the hair on her head is charged by what's between her legs. And nice. as usual, there always seems to be a higher price to pay for those who are female. I still think it's based on the style, isn't it? It's not charged on what's between your legs. It's based on the style. And I know that the majority of people do feel safe in this divide. Yep. Yep, certainly there's do. There's so much possibility if we trim a bit off our prejudices. It's not prejudice. <laughs> See how it, def it defaults to the prejudice? Oh, so you must have prejudice. You must hate me then. Because you run a salon, because you run a barbershop, because you give cuts and curls to guys and girls, 
then you must be prejudiced against people like me, the outsiders, the others. No, no. No, I mean, if you sit down and you want a guy's... If you sit down and you want a guy's style haircut, then I'll give you a guy's style. If you want a female style, then I'll give you a female style haircut. Like if a guy went in and got a female style haircut, he'd probably get charged at the female rate, wouldn't he? Again, just putting it out there. So if you drop your prejudices a little bit and just open up your eyes and open up your heart to people who are different like me, then maybe... You know, we won't, I know you feel safe in your divide, but maybe you won't uh, have so much hate in your heart and it won't be so uh, confronting and hateful for people like me. Um, I don't know. I just, if you just want your hair cut, if you just want your head shaved, it's going to be five quid. Uh, if you want a perm or something fancy like that, it's probably going to be nine quid because I'm going to have to do it. It's going to take twice as long. So I need to get twice as much money. (laughs) (laughs) Women get screwed on the prices. Jenny V in the chat, the cherry popper. Bullshit. It takes twice as long to cut a woman's hair. There's more of it. It it has to be more fancy. It has to be layered. It's got to be tinted. It's got to be all of these other things. Guys go into the hairdresser and say, guys, guys will often go into the hairdresser. And when the hairdresser says, what do you want? The guy will say, I don't know. (laughs) that's a fucking true story when i used to go to the hairdresser that's what i said i I don't know just i don't know cut it do whatever you got to do man i don't care guys don't that's why it's five quid as opposed to nine quid because the girl will have a list of instructions and rules and oh i don't want too much off the front oh it's got to be flowy in the back oh it can't be too much down here don't take too much off around the sides if you could just layer it a little bit underneath here so they're like they're looking at the they're looking at the clock and going, well, there's another customer I can't, there's another guy that I can't cut it today, so it's going to have to be twice as much. Guys will sit down in the chair, and the hairdresser will say, so what do you want? You say, I don't know, just cut it, just make it sh- make it. Sh- Could you please make it shorter? <laughs> That's all I want. Do you want it any particular styles? Like you're the hairdresser, man. You figure it out. I don't know. Just do it. Just do something. And I know in the past few years, things have been changing and that is amazing. There's drag queens on TV. Mr. Beard of Truth, I need to make a response video to all of this. <laughs> Don't you dare take the female side, Jason. I'm watching you, mate. TV and out queer celebrities, hormones and surgeries. But... See, now we're into the hormones and the surgeries. It's a fucking haircut! Still too often, there's some of us standing clutching our bladders stuck trying to decipher which bathroom door symbol we better resemble based on what we are wearing or how brave we are feeling there's day-to-day struggles people quietly battle like finding a way to wear your own skin while navigating a world in which we don't always fit in i understand i i get them i get it man i get it i feel that i feel that kind of shit too i have daily struggles as well like my daily struggles include things like, um, you know, how can I not drink? How can I not start drinking copious amounts of alcohol as soon as I wake up until the time I go to sleep? And I struggle day to day with, um, you know, walking down the street and telling complete strangers what I think of them. It's, it's, it's an urge that I must fight <laughs> on a minute to minute basis. And I'm not always successful. But, you know, it's, it's part of life. Live and learn. I struggle with these things. 
You know, it's very difficult for me. I struggle being extremely popular with women. <laughs> you know, I, st- I struggle every time I step for- I step into the bathroom. I have to take a friend with me to the bathroom because the doctor says I'm not allowed to do any heavy lifting. Do you know what it's like to be a man with a ridiculously huge penis that has to have his friend help him lift it so he can urinate properly? Like, I mean, it's, it's a struggle. Of course, none of that is true. I do it myself because look at these guns. Um, all right. <laughs> I'm feeling like an idiot today. Here's a fun story. Here's a fun one. This is going to be a shout out to, again, Mr. America, the Beard of Truth. Another little, another little flavor of libertarian uh, fuck the government stuff for you here, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> all the way from down under. <clears throat> I'll see you in hell. Is it, Lordy, is this a lifetime movie over a haircut? It could be. It could be a future movie over a haircut. Um, I don't know how much you know about the Australian ecosystem, but if Australia is not burning to the ground, uh, roasting people in their own living rooms, if it's not doing that, then it's flooding. Like, you know, a, a, in a biblical sense, similar to what Noah had to go through. It's end of day stuff here constantly. If it's not doing either of those things, then it is hot and dry with no fire and no rain. We call that, of course, a drought. So there are parts, you know, even before the rainfall, there were there are parts of New South Wales, the state I live in, it's probably worse in other states like Queensland, to be fair, where farmers have literally gone a decade without seeing rain. So water is incredibly scarce in these places. It's incredibly difficult to come by. And I came across this story uh, earlier this morning when I was doing some prep for the show, and instantly I thought of Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. And to be fair, a lot of you too, because we've spoken about this before, <clears throat> we've spoken about the kind of government overreach it takes. Before we even start this clip, let me tell you a horrifying story. A particular government in Australia, ladies and gentlemen, and you know what? If this hasn't happened to you yet, then trust me, it will. This kind of stuff is coming to you as well. Uh, it just depends on what kind of legal protections you have against it. The, the, the legal protections are not going to save you, but it just makes it more difficult for them to screw you. But they'll, they'll find a way eventually. They will circumvent the laws eventually. They will kill you with protocol and process, and they won't even go to court over it. They'll just change the regulations and not the laws. That's how they do this stuff. So when water is scarce in the cities, the 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 governments will then put in um, water restrictions, okay? So you're not allowed to... This is a very common thing in Australia and especially in Sydney. So you're not allowed to water your garden. You're not allowed to wash the car, stuff like that. You're not allowed to fill up the pool, okay, because it's water restrictions. So everybody started cutting back on the amount of water that they use. And then, of course, as you as you are most probably aware, as it just makes logical sense because governments are out to screw you, um, they raise the prices of water because they're not making the same amount of money that they made on the water before the water restrictions. Everybody is following the law so perfectly and everybody is saving water exactly like they've been asked to do. So now we're not making enough more money off the water. We need to raise the price of water. It's horrifying. So 
uh, particular government, ladies and gentlemen, started charging farmers who have dams, right, to collect rainwater. They started charging farmers for the water that fell on their property. I shit you not. So it's hard enough to make a living out in the bush. It's hard enough to make a living off the land when you have to battle droughts that last for years and small crop yields and, you know, prices going up at supermarkets and not going up, not extra money not going into the farmer's pocket. Then on top of that, you have a government that says, if it rains on your property, based on the amount of water that fell on your property, we're going to charge you for that as if you were buying it from us. Right? There was a big drive here maybe 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They wanted everybody to install water tanks at their house. So you could fill up. So, you know, suburban houses can have their own supply of water at all times. And they were paying for this. The government was paying for it. They were giving out free water tanks, the water tank rebate. You organise it, you get the guy in, you get the guy to install it, we will cover the bill. And I refused to do it. And all of all of my bros and all of the buddies and all of the everyone else was like, what are you doing? It, it's a free water tank. Why aren't you doing this? I said, no, nah, I don't want to. Why not? I said, because I don't trust the government. And they're like, well, it's bullshit. You can book your own thing. And I'm like, no, no, here's the thing. What they're probably going to do is put you on a register to say that you received a free water tank, right? You'll go on a list, okay? And it's not just that the list isn't the problem. The problem is what comes after it. Because at this stage, we'd, we'd already witnessed uh, the raising of water prices based on the fact that we weren't using as much water, right? So you'll go on a list, they'll bring in water restrictions, and then they will start charging you for the water that you have in your water tank instead. It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. <laughs> okay. First they came for the farmers. <laughs> You're next. You're next, free water tank guy. Trust me. So let's have a look. Let's see what the government's doing to screw these farmers. Well, every drop of water is gold <coughs> during our worst drought on record. But the government has given the green light to a Chinese company to take almost 100 million litres of our water every year for the next 91 years. China, China. <laughs> I did, I did, I, I must have missed that when I um, flicked through this video before, when I because I skip ahead and I, I watch like 10, 20 seconds here and there and then skip ahead. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. I must have missed that before because I was going to bring up uh, something that the conspiracy theorists have been saying for quite some time in little old Australia. That being that the government makes it financially unviable for people to run their own farms. And then you discover that uh, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of our farmland are then sold to the Chinese government. So if you were a little bit cynical about government protecting you, if you were a little bit cynical about government looking out for your best interests, if you were, say, a black shirt wearing libertarian who likes to wave, uh, raise the black flag on occasion then you may say some something conspiratorial such as the government is intentionally making farms unviable by bringing in these kinds of rules and these kinds of regulations and doing these kinds of deals 
So the only option at the end of the day for the farmers, who may have been there five, six generations, is to sell the farm, at which time, of course, the saviour steps in with the checkbook, with the endless bottomless pit of money from, I don't know, a country like maybe China, who requires uh, more farmland than they have in order to feed their 1.2 billion population. And they can ship fresh, fresh vegetables, fresh produce directly back without without it being tainted by you know virus bat soup or whatever the fuck they're eating over there right now uh so yeah the savior steps in with the checkbook right and everybody wins government gets to say how much money they're making because they get uh money off the top from those kinds of deals uh the farmers get kicked off their own farm china comes in they bring in their own workers right and every everything business as usual that's why when people say uh if a, if a government, if a politician here says something like Australia is open for business, what they really mean is Australia is for sale. Generally speaking. Decision that was made. Poppy Lane in the chat saying, fuck those China assholes. I, I, I agree with your sentiment, but I have to disagree in principle. No, no, no. Fuck the Australian assholes. Fuck the Australian assholes in government who are doing it fuck the people in australia who are facilitating it because at the end of the day nobody's forcing them so we can we can blame china it's too easy to blame china for me and too many like conservatives here in this country do that they blame china oh fuck china and i'm not having a go at you but i just it's not it's i have to i have to explain to people no 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 not fuck china china's doing the smart thing they're being smart. They're being nationalists. They're looking out for their interest. They're trying to buy something at a reduced rate. They're trying to make money. They're trying to provide food security. No, no, it's fuck our guys. It's fuck the guys we vote for. They're the ones that are actually doing it. Because if we if we were in China's position and we were doing it to somebody else, we'd be saying, ha fuck them. Look how we're getting away with shit. Look how we are making money off these idiots. So it's fuck our guys. For the council is, um, is ludicrous. Yes, that's better. That's better, Poppy. Fuck Aussie assholes. <laughs> that's, that's much better. I think it's irresponsible. I think. Responsible <laughs> what they've done. It's dead set embarrassing that our council would allow... Oh, I love a good Bush accent. I was born in a country town, but I was raised in Sydney. And I moved to Sydney at a very young age. But whenever I get a chance to speak to someone, speak to someone from the country, I love a good country accent, a good Aussie country accent. And they can always tell when you come from Sydney because you talk a little bit faster. You don't have the same twang on the end of your words. But when you come from a country town, everything moves a little slower. You tend to drop the uh, last letter off the word, the word, whatever you're speaking, right? And, uh, you know, out here, out here, we're, uh, we're different kinds of people out here, mate. Yeah, good good Aussie country cowboy. That's the way we like it. Out here in the bush, mate. Now this to happen. Love it. It's a decision that's left farmers feeling ignored, forgotten and left in the dark. This is just the big fellas walking over the little fellas. It's just the big fellas walking over the little fellas, mate. From what I can see. I can't see how that's beneficial to the area, particularly when we've said 
the negative effects. Peter Keogh and Ben Usher have lived on the land all their lives, but these fourth and fifth generation farmers say they've never experienced a drought like this one. No, never, never, never this bad. Um, it, it's been dry before, but never the water as bad as what it is. Everyone's struggling. No one's got money. See, everyone's struggling, struggling. The dry conditions forcing them to destock down to less than a third of what they normally have. Unreal. You know, I spent years. Um, the one stat that doesn't often get spoken about in this country. Sorry for sorry for the little Australia data download. You probably couldn't give a fuck. Understandably so. Uh, one stat that they don't like talking about in this country. You know how you know the stats for veterans committing suicide in the United States. Right, what is it, like 12 a day or something? Something ridiculous like that? That stat is comparable in this country to farmers. Like, that's how bad it gets. And these people literally feed us. So, and you know, like, I'm... Economically, I'm, I'm further to the right economically than fucking Milton Friedman when it comes to market, like free marketism and uh, capitalism and economics and stuff. I don't want the government spending a dime, but there are certain things that I would consider to be, you know, essential industries. And because I'm also a nationalist, right? And food security is a thing. I mean, do we want to rely on bat soup coming in from China? No. So I would say, you know, like I'd be more than happy to redirect money that goes into, I don't know, trans liberation art projects in city centres and go right back to these guys. Let's build dams. Let's get irrigation happening. Let's, let's you know, let's uh, streamline your, your operation. Let's try and make it viable. Because if we can't get food from you, then we have to get food from somebody else. And once we kill that market off... Uh, then the prices go up because that's that's a, you know that eliminates competition, right? Food security is a big thing, and plus you know industrial manufacturing, so steel manufacturing, for example, petroleum manufacturing, for example. Australia is so far up shit creek, we don't make our own fuel anymore. We don't do it. All the fuel that gets used in this country that is put into people's cars and trucks, and remember, Australia is a continent. It is a country with the same land mass of the United States, but we only have 25 million people and they all live around the outside. They all live within a few miles of the coast. In the middle, it's just fucking wasteland desert. Everything dies there. So transport is a huge industry here. It has to be because it takes a long time to get things from one part of the population to the other because they're so separated. They're so far apart from each other. So you consider that reality with the other reality that we don't manufacture our own petroleum. <clears throat> All of the petroleum that we have in our cars is shipped in, meaning at, at any given time, Australia is only like a week away from having no fuel at any time. So if China, for example, was displeased with us, the little upstart Anglo nation that has no right to be in the Asian realm, but yet here we are. If at any time China, for example, was displeased with how we are behaving ourselves, they could have a shipping embargo on us. 
and they could stop fuel tankers from coming to Australia. At which point, after a week, no medicine gets to the hospital, no products gets to the store, nobody can get to work, everything grinds to a shuddering halt in one week. And that's not fuck China, that's not fuck the Middle East, it's not even fuck the oil companies, it's not fuck the fuel companies. It is fuck the Australian politicians because they have facilitated this reality. They have manifested this upon us. Because I've often said this, the best thing about the Australian psyche and the Australian person is also the worst thing. It's paradoxical. The thing that makes us so great as a people and, you know, the thing that I love most about Australians and being an Australian is also the thing that I hate the most. It's we are so laid back to our own detriment, right? There's, an, there's a saying here, she'll be right, mate. It's a little bit of an old-fashioned saying, but it sums up uh, our, our collective attitude to things that should be more important to us. Like your house is burning down, your wife left you, your dog's dead, your car won't start. And you're standing at the front watching, <clears throat> watching, you know, the collective efforts of the last 30 years of your life just going up in flames. And someone says, geez, mate, how do you feel? And you're like, she'll be right, mate. She'll be right. Like, eh, whatever. That'll be all right. And this is the attitude that we have too often. But it's also the reason why, you know, we get on so well. And, you know, politicians take advantage of that. They know. We're not going to riot. We're not going to protest. We're not going to overturn the system. We're not going to have a revolution because she'll be right, mate. Ah, they're all screwing us anyway. What's the difference? That's basically what we're like. So it makes it a really calm, uh, laid back. You know, people who come and visit here say, oh, they're all so laid back all the time. That's great. I love that about us. But it's also the thing that I hate about us because it means that nobody cares when they should. So, what are you going to do? Pulling them breeders up, and it's um, it breaks your heart to sell sell young breeders, you know, cattle that you've you've bred. While recent rainfall has turned the drought-stricken <clears throat> paddocks green, it hasn't been enough for a while. To water supply, which is drastically running out. To the point, I got a spring down here. It's completely dry and hasn't come back. So bad, residents of Queensland's Southern Downs region there you go, have you're been in Queensland. placed on severe water restrictions, and now they're facing another kick in the guts. While farmers like Ben and Peter are quickly running out of water, only kilometres away, Cheriba Resort will be extracting 96 million litres of water each year and trucking it to the Gold Coast for bottling. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an evil villain movie. So the farms are literally dying of thirst. They are they are bringing their production down to one third of what it otherwise should be. They are going broke. The animals are dying of thirst. The springs have run dry. And the last remaining water, ladies and gentlemen, I shit you not, is going to be signed over to a Chinese company so they can extract it and then bottle it for pretentious assholes, probably in cities and in China. 
Isn't this fresh water fucking wonderful? While images of cows laying on their side with flies eating into their lower intestines, right? Flea-bitten, bug-riddled, crows pecking out the eyeballs of dead sheep where you could see all their ribs and shit and where it used to be green grassland, just fucking dry sand like the desert. (laughs) A, a, A farmer overlooking this from his property just quietly puts the shotgun in his mouth and pulls the trigger. Leaves his brains all over the front porch for his family to clean up before they sell the farm and move to a flat in the city. Paid for by the good people of the People's Democratic Republic. And then on the flip side, uh, people enjoying their $4 a bottle of bottled water (laughs) Whilst whilst they cruise around the city and take photos of the landmarks. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it grand? Yay, capitalism. (laughs) This 5,000-acre resort near Warwick was bought by two Chinese-born investors in 2006 based on a proposal to develop the area into a town. Two years later, the owners known as the Ma Brothers were granted a licence to take up to 25 million litres of water each year. In 2010, that number almost quadrupled and the extraction licence was extended until next century. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what the real cause of this stuff is? Governments have become, they've become institutionally bad managers of money. Wastage and bad money management and bad economics is now part of what it means to be a government. And everybody's fucking doing it. Everybody's doing it. To be criminally... To be a criminally bad manager of taxpayers' money is now part of the gig. Good economic management, if you are somebody who is uh, fiscally conservative, you need not apply. They're not interested in you. We need to pay for reports. We need to uh, pay for these welfare. We need to pay for these art projects. We need to do the red ribbon cuttings. We need to build new stadiums. We've got to have all the bread and circuses stuff. So wastage is now part of government culture. If you're not prepared, little things, right? Little things that you notice. Uh, the road works, right? There is there is two or three months of the year, every single year in this country, and I imagine it's probably the same in the United States, wherever you live. And this is a known fact for public servants. There is a two or three month period of every year when road works just start happening fucking everywhere. Like every road is being dug up. Every pothole is being filled uh, new, you know, new walkways are getting built everywhere. And it's like, why does this happen at the same time every single year? Why does it always occur now? And, you know, if you weren't thinking about it, you would think, oh, maybe it's the weather. Maybe it's just the time that they allocate for this kind of stuff. Maybe it's some other kind of uh, factor. No, no, no. It's getting close to budget time. And if these various councils don't spend the money that they have been allocated, they get less next year. So they start doing unnecessary roadworks in many cases just to hit budget, just to go over the budget so they can then go back to the people who hand them the money and say, we need the same, if not more. Because if they come in under budget, they get punished for it. They get less. See, you would think common sense would dictate that you would see Rusty in the chat. Rusty, you're in uh, Michigan, aren't you? So you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Fucking big motor city. 
So you would think the people who are good economic managers would get more money. They would get the preferential because they know what they're doing with it. They're not going to waste it, but it does. It works in reverse. It's asked backwards. We give more money to the people who waste it and we give less money to the people who don't. We reward wastage and that's why wastage is now part of the culture of government. It is unavoidable. And I, I don't know how you fix that. You can't fix that without a massive culture shift. And like I've said many times on this podcast, I, I'm an, an advocate for savage, painful cuts to government spending. It has to hurt. So people are thankful for $1 that they get. That's where we should be. <clears throat> you should have to beg and plead for your life to get a dollar from the government. Not expect uh, millions from taxpayers just because you're very good at wasting it. Like this is how you kill the West. This is how you kill the, you know, the, the liberal democracies and the republics of the West. You drain them dry. And when the people who get paid for a living, when the people who vote for a living outnumber the people who work for a living, that's when it all collapses in on itself. <clears throat> Thank you for the ice creams, guys. When the people who vote to take money off the people who work outnumber the people who work, then we're finished. And I think right now that ratio is something like six to four. Six people work to provide um, taxation, you know, to provide money for four people out of 10. Six out of 10 are working, four out of 10 are voting for a living. So we're getting really close to that threshold. Once that tips over 50-50, we're fucked. And there's no reversing it. It only ends in economic collapse at that point. People are like, why aren't you more optimistic? Why aren't you more positive? Because I'm not a maniac. That's why. Because <laughs> I'm not because I'm not walking around with a painted on smile on my face. I can't be brimming Mr. Positivity. I have too much experience and too much knowledge of how these scumbags operate. And because they, they will just kick the can down the road, kick it down the road, kick it down the road, kick it down the road, because by the time they retire on their pension, which is uh, set to, by the way, uh, inflation, so it goes up like 3 or 4% every year, their retirement benefits, uh, it's not going to be their problem anymore. We said it yesterday on the show, the great fraud about modern politics is People want to be able to seem to be, do they want to be seen to be doing something without actually doing something, and they don't want to be taking any responsibility for it. So at that point, Jerry Bar were going to build a town there. That got thrown by the wayside, so the whole water issue to all of us was sort of dead in the water then. But late in 2018, the Ma brothers took further steps, lodging an application through their entity Royal Duke Holdings, asking the Southern Downs Regional Council to approve infrastructure to extract and filter water from an aquifer for bottling. <laughs> We're a long fucking way from a resort, aren't we? We're a long fucking way from this country resort. <clears throat> oh, yes. Okay, so by the way now, uh, we not do resort anymore, uh, but we are going to make new business now. Uh, we're going to sell bottled water. Wait, wait. Where's the bed and breakfast? Where is the hotel? Where is the ranch? Where is the pony rides? 
Where is the adults retreat? Where is the kids balloon room? Where are, where are the boat rides? Where are the fucking, where's the feeding the wild animals? Where's the petting zoo? Where the fuck is the resort? Where are the standalone cabins? Where are the picturesque views? Where is the room service? Oh no, we make bottled water now. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Give, show me, you, you agreed to a resort. Show me a resort. Where is the resort? Oh no, fuck the resort. No, no. We, we have new business venture now. We take, we take water from the farmers, we bottle it, and we sell it for $4 a bottle. Oh, good. Yay. But <laughs> it's fucking cynical. It's ridiculous. Prior to the December council meeting, it was unexpectedly withdrawn. Just before Christmas, an almost identical application was put back before council under a different company name. And despite the fact the area is ravaged by drought and councils trucking water into the region, it was passed without any consultation with these nearby farmers. Unreal. Just taking the water from underneath your feet. Because an aquifer, uh, if you're not familiar with the term, is um, it's like an underground lake, basically, to put it one way. The huge body of water that's un- that can be extracted from the ground. And they're just taking it from them. <laughs> Look at the, the trucks are rolling in. Council trucks. Local government. Hey, we look after our farmers. We're here, we're here for you. We're going to protect you. And they're watching. They're watching their livelihood disappear over the horizon on the back of a truck to be put into bottles for Chinese tourists. It's fucking horrifying. It's embarrassing that our council are doing it. You know, fair income. Fair income. <laughs> drought or no drought here, you know, this this issue, it's just not right. Even when it's good times. Still- See again that bush accent. I love it. You know this issue. It's just not right. Even when it's good times. Even when it's good times. It's embarrassing. Going to drain the water here. You don't allow, especially Chinese company, to come in and start. Ex- this, ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with who this is, this uh, young lady. Her name is Pauline Hansen. You may have heard her name before. Let me give you a quick little history lesson on Pauline Hansen. Pauline Hanson was part of the Liberal Party, <clears throat> which you have to understand here is the nominally conservative party. So liberal here means in classical liberal terms. We take the European definition of liberal, right? Classical liberal, uh, libertarian, Christian conservative. They all fall under the banner of liberal here, okay? The opposite party in, the, in Australia is the Labor Party, which is the party of the union movement, right? Which would be more akin to your Democrats, even though you call your Democrats liberals. So she was a member of the Liberal Party and she became disenchanted with the Liberal Party and she founded a different party called One Nation. And One Nation is regarded here, framed here by the corporate media and whatnot as the racist white supremacist party. So you can already imagine what they're really about. (laughs) You can already imagine the kind of things that they really say. The sweet irony. Now, I don't think Pauline, she lets herself down a lot, in my opinion. She's not the best speaker and she has a habit of, you know, saying dumb things which just give ammunition to the opposition unnecessarily. 
I think if the one if one nation had a better spokesperson, then they would probably do a lot better. Where they stand right now, they're probably kind of level with the Greens on the right hand side of the aisle, if you know what I mean. So if the Greens get about 10% of the vote, One Nation gets about 10% of the vote. And in the middle, then you've got the Labor Party and the Liberal Party fighting over the rest, the two main parties. So they're kind of like the uh, the equal opposite to the Greens Party, if that makes sense. So she lets herself down a lot. If they had a better spokesman, they'd probably get a lot more votes. But the sweet irony, when she first came onto the scene, it was the late 90s, and it was the best uh, election result for One Nation of all time. Because she came out in the late 90s and said, she was saying things like, we need to worry about China. China is going to try and buy up all of our land. Uh, There are too many Chinese people coming to Australia. They are taking university roles, right? Her words were, there's going to be a Chinese invasion, basically. And at the time, uh, she was labelled a white supremacist, a racist, all of the usual tropes. And it was so funny to me because the same organisations like the ABC, for example, uh, other corporate media outlets, the same ones who were calling her a racist for what she was saying back then now repeat verbatim what she was saying back then without ever acknowledging that they do it either. That's the, that's the cute part. The very same things that she was saying you know, 20 years ago, they now say. They now do special reports on the ABC about uh, the Chinese government buying up our businesses and the the amount that we rely on Chinese students to come to our universities. The exact same shit she was talking about. And I've often like said this to my lefty friends and I've given them clips and given them articles and stuff because they're now outraged about the quote-unquote Chinese invasion. And I say, you know, you realise that you were the only politician who had the balls to talk about this 20 years ago. You were calling them a white supremacist and a Nazi for saying it. And it just goes, like, it's like it never happened. (laughs) Funny how that works. Funny how that so often works out, isn't it? Extracting water for commercial purposes and selling it at a profit when towns and and schools, they can't provide the water there for the township. Senator Pauline Hanson. These are bureaucrats. These are people with no common sense. You don't do that in a country that is, you know, goes through droughts. And these experts say that this water they're going is deeper than mine. Well, if if you take the water out of the bottom of a glass, you know, put a straw in it, where's, where's the Oh, don't even get me started on that shit. He's right. I've heard this before. So the well, just say, let's put it in, like, relatable terms. Let's say... Oh fuck! I'm dealing with people that don't have. Uh, I'm dealing with people who have the imperial system, aren't I? <laughs> You're not going to understand what I'm fucking talking about when I talk metrics. Um, fuck! How am I going to do this? <laughs> All right. Let's say your well is ten feet deep. Okay, ten feet. All right, that works. Your well is ten feet deep. What they will say is. This other company owns the the water that is from the depth of 10 feet to 5 feet. And you own the water that is 5 feet to zero. It's fucking amazing. I've heard this before. Like, this is the shit that bureaucrats will do to people to screw them over. So the other company down the road, they bought the water. They have the right to the water that is from five feet depth to 10, 10 feet depth, and you have the top five feet. But like the, 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 the simple common sense 
of the average person never ceases to cut through the bullshit. Like this guy just said, but so they, they say the water that they own is uh, deeper, deeper from uh, deeper than mine. But I mean, if you put a straw in a glass, right? So when they take the water out of the bottom, his water now becomes their water. <laughs> and it's just so obvious. It's just so plainly obvious to everybody. And it's amazing that nobody cares, that they're just allowed to do this. They're allowed to make these deals and nobody stops them. Again, it's fucking horrifying. Going. It's not rocket science. Exactly. While farmers are being told it won't affect them, just from Cherubur... <laughs> Rusty Barber in the chat. Um, how do you get the top five feet then? Well, I guess you have to put your straw in the top of the glass and not the bottom. <laughs> Resort test pumping, Ben Usher claims it caused his spring to run dry. can only imagine if, if that's happened here just from their test pumping. Imagine if they took 100 megalitres out. They could have knocked the infrastructure back. Anybody, any of my American brothers and sisters want to have a crack at what a megalitre is? <laughs> hey? For five, for f- I, will, I will grant somebody 10 lemons if they could tell me. You have to prove that you're an American though. So I want to see a picture of bacon on a burger or something similar to that. Uh, if you could prove you're an American and explain what a megalitre is, <laughs> you will get 10 lemons. <laughs> they could have, at the very least put it on hold, deferred it until we're out of this dire water situation we're in. Following outrage among locals in the region, late last month, Cheribur Resort operators announced it will donate this year's water allowance to local... Ch- <laughs> I'm going to give the award to Wordsmiter. Is it a big gulp? <laughs> you win. That's the best answer. Charities and irrigators. Yes, a megalitre is a big gulf. <laughs> I want a megalitre of Sprite, please. They've also committed to not taking water during the drought, but these farmers aren't convinced. So whether you drain it for the local irrigator or you drain it to go to China, you're still draining it. Either way. <laughs> it's just so obvious. It's maddening. It's maddening. So whether you drain it for, like, the local people or whether you drain it for China, it's still getting drained, isn't it? (laughs) This shit is too obvious for bureaucrats. This shit makes too much common sense. It's too common sense for bureaucrats to understand. Death by bureaucrat, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, we're still stuffed. We're still stuffed. When are they going to say the drought's over? Who do you think needs to step in? It needs a government that'll stand up and say, this is how it's done and we've got to look after these people. It's not happening. Yeah, fucking keep waiting for that one. You're going to find this issue raise itself so many more times. We are fools here. We have just been selling ourselves out to the highest bidder Yep. and we're going to have nothing left at the end of the day. Yep. <clears throat> and that, ladies and gentlemen, is uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is a politician, a senator in the Australian Senate uh, for saying things like that, that we're fools and we sell ourselves out, uh, she gets labelled a white supremacist and a Nazi. By both sides. By both sides. Mm-hmm. Yep. See, the funny thing about One Nation is uh, they have just as many former Labor voters voting for them as they do former Liberal voters. So the Liberal, the Liberal Party hates One Nation because they take votes from the right. <clears throat> 
And the Liberal Party needs needs those votes on the right to make themselves viable in various seats. Uh, the Labor Party has all of their Greens votes defer to them. But One Nation also takes votes from the Labor Party as well. So it's funny how this party who comes out and says things like, I don't know, we shouldn't be selling our vital um, industries to China because it's dumb. It's funny how both, both of the major parties who lose votes to the party who says that we shouldn't be selling vital uh, infrastructure and vital industries to China because it's dumb, uh, they both come out and call a, a Nazi and white supremacists and racists and stuff. And I'm, I'm not even a one nation voter. So you know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's stark. It's obvious for people. And the stink is there that something's not right. So that's where we're at down here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, one more story just to see us off for the night. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Daily Boogie. I, again, I apologise to the Periscope people, but I'm happy that so many people have joined us on DLive and YouTube tonight. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's contributed. I do have one more story just to send us off on a high note. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we are a big fan of astrology here on the program. The astrologers are never wrong. Uh, there is so much wisdom to be gleamed from the stars. <clears throat> Thank you for the Diamond Winning TV. Follow Winning TV on DLive, by the way. DLive.tv slash Winning TV. Uh, I think you're back on again Thursday morning. Um, Phil does... It's tough for me because it's a bad time for me when I'm at work with the time difference and stuff. Um, but Phil does a great show Tuesday and Thursday mornings, uh, just going around, you know, checking out different uh, voting, checking out dif different districts, going over the polls, going over like how people are campaigning in different districts in preparation for the election coming up later this year. I love stuff like that. If you're a bit of an election nerd and a bit of a campaign nerd like me, then you'll appreciate that kind of stuff. Thank you for the diamond words, Smiter. Much appreciated. So uh, dlive.tv slash winning TV for Phil D'Angelo and uh, the lovely Sandra, who's been joining him on recent episodes. So do check that out. Uh, so we're a big fan of the stars here. We're a big fan of astrology on the Daily Boogie. And what happens then when the stars, what happens when a star who talks about the stars talks about stars? Well, magic happens. That's why. Thank you, Voice of Reason, for the diamond. Much appreciated. Astrologer reveals your ideal sex position Based on your star sign, Ring the ladies bell and gentlemen. And get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Gypsy. This is going to be useful information for you in the future. Because, ladies or gentlemen, from now on, when you are in the courting process, you have a legitimate reason. Like, just say, lads, you now have a legitimate reason to talk about star signs with the with the girl that you're having dinner with. Before you would just feign your way through the conversation, before you would pretend you would feign an interest, you would say, oh, yeah, well, you know, I kind of, I read it sometimes. I don't really know, but it's kind of interesting. I guess it's cool if you're really into it, though, because you're really just trying to have sex with it. But now there is a logistical reason for you to take an interest in the star sign of the female that you're having lunch with or the female you're having dinner with. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the subs, guys. Now you have a legitimate reason to take an interest in the, the female's conversation about star signs because 
if you know, if you know the secret sauce, which I'm about to reveal to you, courtesy of this Daily Mail article, and the Daily Mail is never wrong, as we know, um, <laughs> you are now going to send her to... Ring the you bell are going, <laughs> and get your cheese, man. You are going to send her to the stars that she talks so much about. A British celebrity astrologer revealed the best sex positions to suit each star sign. <clears throat> Nicholas Ajulam believes you can improve your sex life based on astrology. Finally, a use for this for this shit. Um, <clears throat> here's this will be this will be pleasing to two. I I know of two people in the audience that will be pleased by this, and one of them is me. <laughs> believe it or not, claims those born under. Sagittarius have a libido that's off the charts. And <laughs> people that people that know uh Steph in the chat, I know Stefan's in the chat. His his username in DLive is literally you sent myself flaccid. <laughs> and Steph is the only one I know of that is a fellow Sagittarian like myself. So there you have it. Steph, apparently we are we are sex machines, brother. <laughs> <laughs> According to astrology, the Sagittarians, they're, fu they're fucking like rabbits, these Sagittarians. <laughs> A British celebrity astrologer has revealed the best sex positions to suit each star sign. Nicholas Ajulam, who has read for celebrities Toya Wilcox, Angie Best and Lizzie Cundy, believes you can improve your sex life based on astrology and even claims Sagittarius, Scorpio and Aries are the best between the sheets. Well, we've got another Sag. Real Mag is a Sag. Winning TV is a Sag. Look at all of these rampant fuck rats coming out of the woodwork, huh? Look at them all. <laughs> Why censored in the chat? Uh-oh, my oldest daughter is a Sagittarian. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but she's having a great time. <laughs> According to astrology, that is. He said... Astrology reveals how we all have different personality traits based on the zodiac sign that we are born under, and that shapes our libido and what we like between the sheets. By understanding your needs, you can have an improved sex life and choose partners that match your individual appetite for sex. <clears throat> Pardon me. So let's go through them, all right? Let's do this. Are you ready? <laughs> Pants off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> let's rock and roll. Aries. Aries are fiery and hot-blooded between the sheets and exude high-octane energy. They love the chase. For them, the fun is in the pursuit and pleasure that comes from conquest. Rarely seduced, they are the ultimate seducer, preferring to take control. Aries act with great speed but can fizzle out just as fast and can sometimes be quick to climax so sex can be brief but intense. When the temptation strikes, they never hold back like sex in all kinds of places. Their favourite sexual position, apparently, is the reverse cowgirl to be in control. There you go. I had no idea. Their libido rating is 3 out of 12, 1 being the highest. So they're, th they're the third highest libido. And they love the reverse cowgirl, apparently. Uh, Taurus, the bulls, prep the bull. Taurians are passionate and affectionate and will shower you with kisses and their sensual touch. Ew. I never kiss, I never kiss uh, my clients. They are more sensual than sexual. 
with foreplay being their strongest skill, and they will spend plenty of time building up to sexual climax. They enjoy being held, stroked, and massaged, so they're they're gay, basically. <laughs> Sorry, Torrens. <laughs> they lack spontaneity, so they're boring. That's another way of saying it. And have an earthly, an earthy attitude towards sex. I don't know what an earthy attitude is. So don't, does that mean we just need to procreate? We need to save the race. Save the race. We need to, we need to procreate to make more white babies. Save the race. It's a very earthy attitude towards sex. I want to double check. Do we have any uh, neo-Nazis, white supremacists or racial realists in the chat? Are you Torin? That would make sense. It seems like the Sagittarians and the Aries are more the um, the freewheeling libertarian, I'll fuck anything with a pulse types. And the Taurans appear to be the, we need to, we need to have sex to save the race. We need to procreate. It, it looks like that's the case. Who knows? Uh, so don't expect fireworks and adventure, but if you like sensuality, you're in for a treat. Their favourite sexual position, ladies and gentlemen, is the missionary where you can touch and tune into your partner. They're rating... Uh, one being the highest is the eighth out of 12. <clears throat> Gemini. Geminis are curious with an open mind to sex and are willing to try new things and experiment sexually. Sexually. Nothing is too taboo making them sexually open, but like their scattered attention span, scattered. <laughs> their libido can be erratic, so always have a plan B at hand to arouse. Uh, dildos, I imagine. Gemini's imagination ignites their libido and they enjoy indulging in fantasy role-playing and foreplay via technology to build an explosion in the bedroom. I made explosion on her stomach. Their favourite position... I didn't... I've, this is the first time I've heard of this position. Their favourite position is the pinball wizard position. <laughs> what the fuck is the pinball wizard? Now, I'm going to hide... If you didn't read ahead, because they explain what the pinball wizard is, who in the chat knows what the pinball wizard position is? That's that's a new one to me. Maybe we call it something else down here. I'm not sure. Some good pinball wizard fucking music for you. Tilt, tilt, tilt. All right. I'll tell you what the pinball wizard is. The pinball wizard is apparently partner enters kneeling with the woman's legs spread wide for adventure. Yes, they put for adventure in there. So there, there you have it. Uh, the pinball wizard. Uh, the libido rating is not good for the Geminis, I'm afraid. Tenth out of 12. Ugh, bringing up the rear, one might say. Uh, next, we have cancer, which, as we all know now, thanks to the story we read yesterday, is associated with oral sex. Cancerians are caring and sensitive souls who are guided by their feelings and not by raw sexual urges. For them, sex needs to be comforting and nurturing. Cancers need to feel cared for. I don't think I've ever had sex with a cancer. <laughs> <clears throat> they never they never want to be comforted and nurtured. They just want to be paid and get the hell out of there. That's my experience. Cancers need to feel cared for uh, between the sheets. They aren't really looking for performance preferring to be guided by emotions and wanting deep sexual intimacy. Too much pressure. They are the most romantic lover. No one will hold you as tight or make you feel as secure whilst having sex. Their favourite position, ladies and gentlemen, is the sitting up cowgirl and their libido rating, a paltry ninth out of 12. 
list. There you go. Uh, Leo. Leos are passionate and bold who are extremely playful lovers in the bedroom. They are creative, romantic, and fun to be with. This Zodiac type brings a lot of variety into their sex life. No night is ever the same. But you can have that experience just by having uh, sex with different people every night. <laughs> Leos are turned on by the beauty of the human body, and when they find someone they are attracted to, their sex drive gets very high and needs to be met daily. With a strong hunter instinct, they seek to be in control and take charge, so expect to be thrown around in the bedroom and perhaps even some biting and scratching. Bad kitty. Bad kitty. Doggy style appeals to the animal instincts. That's their favourite position is doggy style, apparently. Uh, Five out of 12 for the Leos. Not bad. Not bad. Virgo. Virgos are earthy and tactile who aim to please. However, they aren't the best initiators of sex, which may put you permanently in charge. They go through periods of erratic libidos. Having sex once a week is perfectly fine for them. Sex is a place where Virgos can let their hair down whilst their perfectionist natures mean that they will do their utmost to be the best lover. Being neat and clean, they don't fare well with messy sex. Try keeping it clean. In other words, (laughs) no thanks. (laughs) If it's not messy, it's not worth doing. Face-to-face standing for sex in the shower. That's their favourite position is sex in the shower. Face-to-face. That is the epi- I guess the only thing that could top that would be having sex in a bucket of fucking bleach for these people. Face-to-face. Their libido, 12 out of 12. They're, they're lucky last. So the Virgos, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, unfortunately, you are the least desirable. <laughs> At least the least active. Libras love harmony and aesthetics, and to them, sex is all about creating a beautiful experience. They feel alive when they are having sex and truly know all about lovemaking. They are people pleasers, so are willing lovers, and may neglect their own needs for the sake of a partner. That's good. Uh, Balance is key. There's a low risk of infidelity with a Libra because they get attached to their partners. With a wild imagination, they love to play erotic games and indulge in sexual pleasure. Uh, their favourite sexual position is the erotic V, which is, again, a new one to me. The man stands and the woman puts her legs over his shoulders where you can indulge in kissing. That is, that's quite an effort, though. I imagine the Libras must be extremely fit to make that their favourite position, but there you go. Scorpions. Scorpios are deeply passionate and energetic sign that exude a strong sexual energy which others can feel. Easily seduced, they need to connect emotionally and physically to feel satisfied. It is not always about the act, but the need for intimacy. Expect them to push your boundaries and take you to new heights and expect plenty of experimentation and bondage activities, ladies and gentlemen. Being in control is important to them, so let them take the lead into orgasmic heaven. Uh, Their favorite position, ladies and gentlemen, the standing 69er. Again, another very labor-intensive position, I would have thought. They're they're two out of 12, the Scorpios. They're the second highest on the list. Here we go. The big guns, ladies and gentlemen. The Sagittarians. What am I going to learn about myself here? Sagittarians have a libido that's off the charts and an optimistic and adventurous attitude to, uh, to sex. Expect them to toss you around the bed and overload your senses. They can get you down anytime and anywhere from the bedroom, in the car, to even outdoors if you're willing. Sex is not emotional to them. It is a physical outlet that they treat like an athlete. (laughs) 
<laughs> what are you doing? I'm just working out, babe. Just working out, getting a sweat on. <laughs> I love you. I love working out. <laughs> Sex is not emotional to them. It is a physical outlet that they treat like an athlete. Being free-spirited, sex with them can feel impersonal as they are the rulers of booty calls and one-night stands. Their favourite sexual position, ladies and gentlemen, raised doggy to enjoy speed and physical sexual endurance. The libido rating, 1 out of 12. The top ones. The number one in the sexual rankings of the star signs. Suck it. (laughs) That now takes on dual meaning. Suck it, you sexual savages. The Sagittarians are slinging dick. (laughs) Capricorns. Capricorns are practical and consistent and exhibit an earthy, powerful sex drive that needs regular sexual experiences to unwind. They don't need crazy and wild sex, just something reliable and satisfying. They, They keep going ready. They can keep going, so be ready to orgasm and start again after a few minutes. Endurance is their middle name if you can keep up. They have a kinky side, so bondage activities are right up their street. Always loyal. They stick around when they find someone they click with. Uh, Their favourite sexual position, ladies and gentlemen, is the wheelbarrow position. And they are fourth out of 12. Got a couple, just two more to go here. Uh, The water signs. Aquarius. Aquarius are free spirits who require a lot of space to explore their sexuality. Their sex drive is inventive and erratic, so expect to have new experiences that are really out of the box. Be prepared to explore the inner sexual freak. Super freak! Super freak! Super freak! Be prepared to explore the inner sexual freak as nothing is off limits. Whilst their mood creates an erratic sexual energy, some days it will be mind-blowing and yet cold on others. Sex is an experiment of pleasure rather than an emotional experience. Not always great initiators, they have a tendency to put their own needs before a partner's. The G-Wiz position is the preferred for the Aquarians, ladies and gentlemen. G-Wiz. I didn't know that was a position. That's usually my response to having sex in the first place. G-Wiz, somebody wants to have sex with me? That's amazing. Can't believe it. (laughs) G-Wiz. Uh, the G-Wiz position is apparently woman's legs on a man's shoulders to be different. See, we would call that the beasting. I know what they're talking about. That's like the shoulders. That's the legs over the shoulders with her on her back. That's a beasting to us. I've never heard of it called a G-Wiz. Pisces. Pisceans are sensitive and dreamy. Oh, they're six out of 12, by the way, the Aquarians. Pisceans are sensitive and dreamy, and their sex drive is dependent on how well they can connect with their partner. If they feel safe and connected, they will lose themselves to sex experimentation and to push the boundaries. Sex with a receptive Pisces can be a truly bonding experience in body and mind. They love to caress and share sweet words. A Pisces must remember that while giving is great, they can't neglect their own needs. Their favourite sexual position, ladies and gentlemen, is spooning. Ah. Oh. And their libido is a very unsatisfactory 11 out of 12. <clears throat> so there you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, all of the star signs. All of the star signs. So on that note, I think I've given you the uh, ammunition you need. I've given you the informi- information that you crave. We do real news here on this program. I've given you all of the weapons that you now have at your disposal. Uh, all of the clubs are now in your kit bag. 
you can now go out there and do what you've got to do. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have for on the program today, because as I am a Sagittarian, I must now promptly leave and get my fuck on. So <laughs> thank you for joining us. Um, <clears throat> I'll be back tomorrow night with another edition of the Daily Boogie Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to follow our friends at Real Person PLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at Why Censored, at UK Neil, at Winning TV, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth. Don't forget also uh, Rational Times. Uh, don't forget also Joy of Pessy. And I'll probably be tuning in later tonight as I drift off into the arms of Morpheus, uh, listening to a bit of Nightwave Radio, which you can find dlive.tv slash Nightwave Radio. Uh, I'll be back 6pm tomorrow night. Thank you to everybody who contributed to the show tonight, as always, on dlive.tv slash Boogie Bumper. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of this program, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com forward slash Boogie Bumper. Thank you for the diamond. Why censored? You can go to patreon.com slash Boogie Bumper. Subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about your favorite position, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Until tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational, get your fuck on, and God bless. All right, see you later. Bye-bye. I'm opening the chest right now. Open chest. Open chest.